0: Shirt show. All right,
1: let's go. Right. Shirt show. We're talking show. Shirt Shirt show. Shirt
0: show. Shirt show. Shirt show. Shirt show. Shirt show. Shirt show. Shirt show. show. Shirt show. Andy's daddy. <laughs> <laughs> daddy.
2: Daddy. Hey there,
0: babe. You're looking real hot today. I wish I was there.
2: Oh, Andy's dropping the kids off at the pool, so.
0: Well, here I am. What's going on there?
2: Mm, just hanging Push out. What's your day? It's been a lot of paperwork sitting at my desk and typing. Gross.
0: Yeah. It's the worst. I know. That's what I've been doing for the past couple of days. Paperwork? Yeah.
2: Just like invoicing or bill collecting? Just
0: like invoices and random emails that I didn't want to do and shit that takes hours. Mm-hmm. Did Andy put all those boxes back by the window? Empty boxes to look like you guys are busy?
2: Yeah, all, I mean those are the only boxes we have, so Right. It's just those He's like,
0: I I really gotta show people that I'm busy.
2: Like look how busy we got ten. There's ten maybe. We're such a busy shop.
0: Cool. <laughs> So tell me about your week. What did you do?
2: <laughs> we were closed for Labor Day, of course. It's a paid Did you guys do anything everybody. fun? No, I actually worked on my art website for like two days. Like oh, literally stared at my computer and just tried to work on it to make it new.
0: Did you just update a bunch of like prints that you have done and everything?
2: No, it's just like I have a Squarespace website for my art and it's 7.0 mm-hmm. and they came out with a 7.1. That's way cooler, but you can't just automatically convert over. That's dumb. So they make you rebuild it.
0: Mm-hmm. That's, that's how they get you
2: on. yeah it's still a work in progress but literally that's what i did is there
0: a bunch of stuff up there for sale right now
2: on my Etsy site yeah
0: yeah what is that
2: uh if you just go to joannehool.com uh there's a link to my shop it'll take you right to Etsy. you can see all my prints and my paintings that's what i love to do
0: mm-hmm. and feet pics
2: yeah for my only fans right all Makes the sense. toes a
0: special link right
2: that's I mean, I gotta be. A That's what you should do, Joy, and you're, 70.
0: you're talented. You could draw little drawings on the bottom of your toes and sell those pictures, <laughs> Polaroids.
2: That would be weird, but I mean, never say never.
0: <laughs> exactly. Okay. Right. YOLO.
2: I take it out and, like touch it. Can I touch it? I'm oh, gonna God, in trouble. Yes.
0: I've been waiting for you to ask me that. <laughs> <laughs> Damn it! The answer is yes,
2: Joanne.
0: <laughs> now show me your finger. This Can one. You, now, now touch this it. One? Yeah, this one? Touch, whatever one you want. Okay, incoming. two. Frank. <laughs>
2: It all starts with a screen, and whether it's new stretches or restretches, Frank and his team do it the best. To find out more, go to graphicscreenfashion.com F-F-F-F-F-Rank.com, or
0: GreatFuckingScreens.com.
2: Cleaning screens is no fun, but EasyWay makes it more funner. Their line of eco-friendly chemicals will help you keep your screens and your shop clean. Check them out at EasyWay.com, EasyWay.
0: It's the easiest way. For sure. Definitely is.
2: Let me go see what he is. Hold on.
0: Nope. Don't you leave, Joanne. <laughs> Sit your ass down. If you want to. Hey, fuckface. face.
3: Hey there. Hey, daddy.
0: Hey. Joanne, that was beautiful.
3: It was perfect. Like
0: I loved it.
3: Mm-hmm. I kind of wish she
0: didn't. She didn't go away.
3: I know. Me too. Actually, I was enjoying mm. just watching.
0: Yeah, me too.
3: <laughs> and I I hadn't laughed that hard in a while. So
0: <laughs> when she asked if she could pull it out and touch it,
3: because <laughs> <laughs> I just wanted to see the expression on your face so badly, <laughs> and I couldn't. But I was like, mm-hmm. "Yes." <laughs> um, high five, though, Jojo. Bring it in here, fuck yeah! And then high five, high five, Dill. Just go like boop, boopies. Um, so you all set for the for the press? Like, do you have a forklift? Oh, that's right, you borrow your neighbors. Neighbors, yeah, yeah. That's so awesome to have that. I wish I had that.
0: Yeah, but it also sucks too. Like, it's nice to have, but it sucks to like rely on somebody or ask for favors.
3: Oh yeah
0: it's like hey You're saying, can you like do a bunch of work for me for free next door
3: oh right well i mean honestly when i rent a like when i rent a forklift it you know i have to pay for delivery because they don't let you come pick it up you yeah. know what i mean with your truck mm-hmm. so i want to say it's and we always rent it for two to three days and so it's got to be like 700 dollars or whatever it is you know mm-hmm. so even if you have to print a bunch of shirts for them i think it's
0: yeah fair. i'll just buy them a couple of cases of beer
3: that's way, way better. Mm. Bye. Love you.
0: Bye, Joe. Love you.
3: He's Dylan says bye. I love you, too.
0: Kisses. Love you.
3: Mm. Don't these Labor Day like or holiday Mondays or whatever it is, don't they? they I hate holidays. Holidays are stupid. We should end all holidays, honestly.
0: Yeah, let's do that.
3: Just make it. Well, just
0: th- it throws off my routine. I didn't know mm-hmm. what to do on Labor Day. I kind of just pussed around. I went to the comic book store and bought some used movies and got groceries and just fucking pussed around.
3: Yeah, I was just talking to Kyle and we were like, you know how it used to be when you didn't have anything to do on a Saturday or, or on a weekend and there was a, something called a record store. Mm-hmm. and um even That's if you didn't have a record store you had a best buy and you'd go there and mm-hmm. they had like aisles and aisles of cds and you'd just go look around dude
0: most of my high school was get out of school drive down i would go to this place called coconuts i don't know if you had coconuts or not it used mm-hmm. to be like a record store go to coconuts buy like i don't know like five or ten cds or whatever i could afford because i just mm-hmm. fucking blew all my money and then i would just go to taco bell I was like my like once a week trip was coconuts, new albums, and then Taco and Bell. And a Gordita. Mm.
3: Or Nacho Supreme. It's a good time. I haven't been to Taco Bell in a long time, but when I went, it was always the Supreme, no matter what. So like Taco Supreme, Burrito Supreme, Nacho Supreme. You got to say Supreme.
0: No, not me. Too many tomatoes.
3: Not enough, you mean.
0: I get three soft tacos and then I get a cheesy Fiesta potato and then I split the potatoes up three ways and put it in each taco. So I have Mm. like a taco with potatoes in it.
3: That's genius. Mm -hmm. I think you got something there. Other, although it needs, you need to say Supreme next time.
0: You need Supreme on it. Well, you can do Supreme. I won't. I'll do bland as fuck because that's my style. All
3: right. Fair. Fair Mm -hmm. enough. Yeah.
0: Uh, so, did you have a uh, ChromaLine tip you need me to read?
3: I do, but also I have to talk about Action Engineering. And did you know yeah. that they make all kinds of accessories printers need, including a tabletop dock for pallet tape? So, like right now, I don't know how you guys do it. Well, you you pallet tape. You change your pallet tape once a year, something like that, right? <laughs> Pretty much um,
0: every couple months, every two months.
3: Yeah. Well, we change ours more frequently. And so they make a, you know, we have an extra set of pallets. And so we could do this where yeah. you are taping up pallets station. off press. Yeah, yeah. So you're not, because every time, let's say if you have 14 on our 14 colours, 16 pallets. I mean, that takes fucking half hour, you know?
0: Yeah.
3: And so you could. One half high. hour. Is that what I said? No. Oh. <laughs> 30 minutes. Okay. okay Okay. 30 minutes Mm -hmm. six one half dozen another i think that's how it goes sure what was i saying oh yeah so you can go to actionengineering.com to check it out and buy it yes i don't have one but i'm thinking about it like all the accessories
0: you can think of for a screen printer they have so just Mm -hmm. go buy the stuff from there Mm -hmm. good people
3: you look good Thanks
0: man. Totally season good. now.
3: Um it did cool off a little bit here but I think today it's in the 80s so not, mm, not It's 80. like
0: 62 here and rainy.
3: I love it. Yeah, it was raining all Labor Day weekend here. I think I told you that. You know, yep. this is old news. Hmm. Hey, can you share with us what you're going to be doing? The special project secret top secret classified. I
0: don't know if I can honestly. I just had to sign paperwork today. There's like a ton of stuff in there that's like, don't talk about it. (laughs) (laughs) Hmm. Um, Other than that, I have a bunch of other shit going on. Uh, If you don't know already, Andy and I are speaking at this year's Print Hustlers. So that'll be fun. Yeah, we're uh, talking about what to say. So we'll have to figure that out in the next month or so.
3: Yeah, we mentioned this on the last episode and I think on the last one too. So -hmm. we're hammering this home. Yeah, fucking
0: go! It. Don't don't be that guy. Don't miss out. You're gonna have FOMO. Just come, just come hang out.
1: It's fucking um, Texas.
0: Let's eat barbecue and get hammered and fucking swing dance and shit.
3: Go cow tipping.
0: Yeah, let's do. I hundred percent go cow tipping if you come and you want
3: to. <laughs> let's You're do down. it. Some my it's not my fucking cows. Um. It's, so uh, we're skipping. Chad's going to seriously hate us this episode because we've got we've got a uh, we're just we're shooting the ship on the place. OK, I'm fine with that. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. Who else is a partner that we need to talk about?
3: Well, we've got graphics source. Look, can your shop use a little or a lot of help in the art department? If so, you're going to want to go to one nine hundred and get in touch with Nicholas or Lucas. Mm-hmm. You like that?
0: Yeah. Or eucalyptus.
3: Eucalyptus. That's their new... They just hired... <laughs> right, the new guy. Euc- <laughs> yeah. Yeah. He, I wouldn't... You might want to... You're going to have to have some patience with eucalyptus. Mm-hmm. He's he's new and he doesn't know all of the answers yet, but he's getting right.
0: there. But he's good for you.
3: Mm-hmm. Well, actually, some people are allergic to eucalyptus. <laughs>
0: Well, those people are assholes.
3: Well, I am. So I guess that's really cool. That makes that. sense. <laughs> and yeah, so it's on money. So here's the thing. Yeah. Go and get in touch with all three of those guys at the one at the same time. <laughs> if you want it It'd be a threesome <laughs> oh, and all of your desires will come true.
0: Right. Art desires.
3: Art desires is what I meant. Right. <clears throat> Next, we have Chromaline and that is on you. That's your, oh, I You never sent it
0: to me, so it's on you, bud.
3: I am an asshole. There's proof right there.
0: Mm-hmm. Okay, fine. All right. Chromaline tip of the week. The smallest dot you can print should be as wide as two mesh threads plus one mesh opening. If you're trying to print halftones with dots smaller than that, you have to increase your dot size by increasing LPI or select a higher mesh count. And as always, go to chromaline.com to watch Kevin's videos and learn all about the screen room.
3: Let me um, process this. So the smallest dot you can print should be as wide as two mesh threads.
0: Yeah, because it needs to land on two threads in order to have a full dot. And if you are curious about this or we're not saying enough and we're just confusing the shit out of you, go to Kevin's going to be an at ISS Atlanta, uh fort worth right he is and he's gonna be speaking on all of this and i sat through some of it uh, when i crashed Kevin's a little while ago in utah um and he he dives deep into this stuff so you should uh either go to chromalinecom watch a video or come to a seminar and watch him do it live fact mm-hmm. um one other thing you should do is you should go to shirtshowofficial.com and look at the events page and add to it if you have any sweet events print related and you should go to the be our guest page and sign up to be a guest on the show if you really want to or you can go to the merch page on there and uh, get a shirt show shirt um, you should do that you should do all those things
3: our guest today has had a wild year What not you say dylan yes what are you doing?
0: Looking at my phone.
3: Okay. When you're done, let me know and I'm going to introduce our Go ahead. Important, important. I'm just getting all my
0: info ready for the podcast.
3: Oh, okay. That's smart. Um, Our guest today has had a wild year and his name is Mike Galati from Modest Merch in Chicago and he is joining us in three, two, how are we? Good.
0: How are you, dude?
1: I'm good. Uh, How's
0: things? Are you you finally back to work now and everything?
1: Yeah, I've been back. I keep losing track. I think it's been over a month now. But, like, I keep telling myself, oh, I've been back a couple weeks. But, like, I'm pretty sure it's been, like, a month and a half at this point. (laughs) Um, The 12th will be five months from when it happened. And I think I took almost three months off. So, yeah. I think I took two and a half months off, even. But
0: <laughs> so for the for the people that don't know what happened to you,
1: so, tell us uh, the, the
0: story of that night.
1: Is that that where we're starting? All right, that, so, that faithful uh, night. So, uh, yeah, like uh, basically five months ago, I uh, I almost died. Uh, for I mean that's the easiest way to put it. And I'm I'm lucky I'm still here. I'm a little hurt. I'm a little roughed up, but I'm lucky I'm here. Um so uh i collect restore ride uh old vintage mopeds so people mix them up with scooters all the time i gotta clarify that but they're (laughs) old am i allowed to swear on here
0: yeah fuck yeah
1: all right they're old piece of shit two-stroke mopeds uh from the 70s and 80s but typically the the early 70s early late 70s um basically a lawnmower with a a bicycle with a lawnmower engine. So what's the
3: difference between a, uh, a moped and a scooter, a moped, does it have pedals?
1: So mopeds Uh. do have pedals. The whole point of moped is motor and pedals. And that's how you get moped scooters do not have pedals scooters. And also like the easiest comparison, like uh, for mopeds, your feet are like, alternating because your pedals are opposite and for scooters you're sitting like you're on a toilet that's kind of how we how we you know and we coincide a lot like there's a lot of jokes and animosity and and (laughs) ball busting with the scooter and and moped thing but at the end of the day we ride with scooters every day so we all used to
0: have the old honda express ones that look like basically like bike frames
1: yeah so those those are right in between actually so the honda expresses the urbans uh they're, honda makes a couple we call those no peds so those are <laughs> they're a moped without pedals so they got yeah, pegs but yeah. they're not a scooter they're not a moped but the frame and the engine and all that dumb stuff is equivalent to the mopeds right, and honda right. made a. they call them pa 50s or honda hobbits that's mm-hmm. basically the same exact bike as an express just with pedals yeah, But yeah, those, those are the weird middle ground where they're not a scooter, they're not a moped. Uh, I just sold an express like last week to a friend of mine, actually.
0: That's awesome. Yeah, we used to have like a gang basically here.
3: I was going to ask how many moped, scooters, or anything in between the hybrids, how many do you have?
1: So right now, I'd like to say I'm down to somewhere around 10 of these. And I know that sounds like a lot, but they're not motorcycles. You don't need titles. You don't need registration. You don't need insurance. It's not a vehicle. Um, and often, I mean, now the market's kind of a mess, but for the most part, we used to be able to buy them for a hundred or 200 bucks. And, you know, I got, I, ironically enough, I have eight or nine here at the shop. Uh, I moved my garage here a couple years ago and I just got a garage last month and I'm going to transition once I'm healed up, all my bike's out of here. Um, but... uh somewhere around 10 or so maybe two of them run right now i haven't had the motivation to to work on them to wrench to do anything my shoulder's still a little tweaked and the last thing i need to do is lay on the floor bend down and try that um so yeah um double back so these these dumb little bikes they're they go 25 30 miles an hour we make them go 50 60 miles an hour they're fun They're not as serious as a motorcycle it's not a dick measuring contest it's just fun and stupid things and there's communities right. throughout hell there's podcasts like this with with plenty of people in the community um we go to rallies out of state we go to events and then uh we ride locally too and there's clubs there's groups there's events there's all these things much like any hobby or or you know a little niche and uh so we we do weekly rides here in Chicago as do most of the communities and we had about a, it was the first ride of the season. It was a little chilly and I, I wasn't going to host one and I wasn't going to get out there and ride and, and a homie got one together and I was like, screw it, let's go ride. So I bundled up and I, I rode with, with more than I usually do. Um, I had a long, a t-shirt, not not a t-shirt, but a long sleeve, a sweater and a light jacket and I had pants on and I'm usually shorts and a t-shirt guy. Um, So we did the weekly ride. We ended up at a hot dog stand on the south side. It was a good time and I wasn't feeling too hot and I'm like, you know what? I'm going home guys. And I, uh, I bailed on my homies after the whole ride. I mean, I led the ride. I got, I got the group together. I led the ride. I did my thing and I was like, you know, I'm going to dip from here. Everybody was eating. And I was like, I'm heading out. Uh, I made it like three blocks and I don't know if t bones the right word, but I was going through a green and she took a left turn and, uh, basically took me out. And it's, it's wild to look at the maps. Um, of my city, of, of, of the city. And that to see, like I was with 10 of my friends, like three blocks straight down one street before this happened. So it was a matter of minutes after me bailing. Uh, I don't remember much from it. There was never an Oh shit moment, which I've had hundreds of those over the last 10 years on these dumb little bikes. You know, I've avoided disaster. Um, this just happened. And, uh, ironically enough, we have a video, we have the traffic cam and, if we didn't have that, I, I'd probably never know if it was my fault or not, or I'd never know what
0: happened. Did you happened. see her coming at all?
1: I did not. Uh, I mean, in in the video, I don't know if you guys have seen the video, I put it out there. Um, I put my feet down. So I, I grab my brakes and I drag both feet on the floor and I'm trying to stop. So I mm-hmm. I, I did see her in, in some fashion. I, I was aware of it when it was happening, but in my brain now, I, I don't recall anything. So you lost
3: um, memory of, um, a few minutes before, or just a minute before, I guess. And then anything after, I mean, no, what do you remember I, after? I, Were you conscious, conscious? No, I was
1: not conscious. So I remember leaving my friends and, and that's it. Um, I think there was, there was like one thing in my head at one point where I'm like, I remember flying through the air. I don't recall that anymore. I remember saying that. And I remember feeling that, but so I remember bailing on my friends saying bye to everybody, and then I woke up in the hospital and I didn't know where I was. Um, I, I wear a full face helmet as most of us do, um, thankfully, and I think it might have might have saved my life. Um, my helmet wasn't too roughed up, basically. Like the way I look at it is <laughs> the uh my left leg took took the most of it. My left leg was the impact. She her front right end, front passenger hit my left leg and just snapped me like a toothpick man both bones in my leg were uh i was told it was a compound fracture i believe is the term they were through the skin i never saw it but apparently my bones were shooting through my skin um and it it like i'd like to think the helmet helped because i rode without a helmet for five years and then i've ridden with a helmet for about five or six years and i'm glad i do uh is but there no the helmet,
0: helmet law in chicago no
1: we do not we have eyewear law but no helmet law and when we, when we travel on these dumb little things, like some states they do have it, some they don't. Right. And I rode without it for years and I'm glad I, I'm glad I wear them now.
0: Yeah, for sure.
1: So like, you know, just the normal night out, we'd ride every Tuesday. I've hosted these rides for the last five or six years. We got out there, did it. I was heading home from the South side. So it was a good, like 30 minute ride or so. Um, I'm, I'm a North sider here in Chicago. And uh, it mm-hmm. happened as soon as I bailed. And you know, it's, it was one of those things like.
0: So lesson learned, don't bail on your homies, right? Well,
1: y- y- strength in numbers. I mean, I wasn't <laughs> feeling hot. and I was like, I want to head home. And that's part of an anxiety thing. And I don't want to go down that path. But I was like, you know what? I'm, I'm heading home. Um, and, you know, mm-hmm. it, it, it is kind of strength in numbers to an extent. Like I've got the video. You can see me on the traffic cam coming from down the block there's no reason for her to not have seen me, but she still didn't see me. Um, I'll never know if she was drunk. I'll never know if she was texting. I'll never know if she just wasn't paying attention. You know, we've, I've got her lawyers. I've got her info, all of that. That's, that's a whole different can of worms and a mess. Um, but at the end of the day, the system's kind of fucked and, uh, she's not responsible. Um, solely, solely. How is she
0: not responsible?
1: She's responsible. Um, To an extent, I mean, it's we have the police report, which the police report was her side of the story and all that. Um, But. I believe she has someone in her corner in terms of cops, but I don't know. Um, She works at a law firm, so she's got that going for her. But at the end of the day, um, you know, I've had a lawyer since day one and I still don't even have her insurance policy. Um, At the end of the day, she's broke and I can't sue um, it's the worst case scenario. My lawyers told me, I've had a dozen other lawyers tell me, but the brass tacks of it is we take her to court, especially with the video. She took a left turn. I'm going through a green light. Um, we sue her. We win. She walk. we walk out, she files for bankruptcy. And then I lose the insurance policy and the insurance policy is a third of my medical bills, not to mention loss of you work, uh, chronic the- pain, everything. So it's kind of just been chalk it up to shit happens. This sucks right right it's 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 worst case scenario every lawyer i've spoken to has told me outside of my lawyer that i have hired um and everything it's just worst case scenario
0: so how was uh how was the shop going before that like because obviously you're you're running a print shop yeah so
1: yeah let's let's get to to that fun stuff i guess um (laughs) so i'm not I'm not the biggest, biggest or busiest shop. And I was excited to talk to you guys. Cause like maybe some little guys like me are stoked to hear from someone like me. I don't know. Um, yeah, for sure. I'm still a one man show here. Um, I handle everything front to back and you know, I have help here and there very, very limitedly. Um, I don't know the last time someone's reclaimed for me, but that used to be the move that used to be like the only time I'd hire someone was a reclaim. Um, but it's been a long time since that. So like before the accident, I was doing steady. Things were normal. I think the accident happened right around my busy time. Um, I'm not great. I can't tell you what I made last year and the year before I send everything to my accountant. They tell me what I made and didn't make and what I owe and all that. But my busy season, my slow season to me, I work, you know, if I'm busy, I work. If I'm slow, I do busy work here and try to keep busy. there we go. Um,
0: Is most of, is most of your clientele like buddies and shit that you're into and just people Um, that know you or is it like they come to you
1: it's it's majority and, and i've heard from everybody in the industry um to run from but majority of my my business and my clientele is bands it's bands musicians some clothing companies, but very minimally, um, small businesses, things of that nature. But I, I wouldn't exist today. I wouldn't have made a living for the last 10 years if I wasn't working with bands. So right. when some yuppie print shop in California is like, yo, ditch the bands, they have no money. Oh, I, I know that. I'm, I know bands have no money. I know they're broke. I know they're last minute. I knew they're irresponsible and I'm comfortable saying that cause I was that asshole for a long time in my life before right. I printed t-shirts. Um, but it's, it's what I know, uh, to a huge extent. It's also where my heart is. It's what I know. And it's the reason I exist, man. Um, right. it's the reason my shop exists, not me. Um, I've played in bands and, you know, played shows. I've done some minimal touring for the last like 15 years. Um, since I was about 14 or 15 years old. So mm. it's, it's what got me into this. Um,
3: yeah,
0: it's how I got my start too. M- I mean, so it was bands ago. and then we printed for bands and then you know, we don't do as many bands now as we used to, but I mean, we still definitely Good do bands, but it's, <laughs> I mean, it's, it's, it's like you said, like the money thing. It's, it's just kind of like, we got to a point where, you know, it wasn't just me and a couple buddies printing shirts for bands. It started yep. turning into like, I have more employees and people who are here to like get paid and not just like work for a band on a weekend because we love that band yeah um so so then eventually you get to the point where you're just like oh i need to take on like different clients that actually like have money to pay yeah um but yeah the band thing i mean there's there's nothing wrong with that for sure like i said we still do bands and there's tons of shops that are like obviously just focused on bands but
3: for sure i mean i'm not um, anti-band Sure Kong isn't anti-band or anything and i think that if that's your niche and if you have those connections and those contacts that like that's your network and yeah and those bands other bands are sending bands to you you know if that's your thing then And you like printing for them, then I'm all for it. You know, there's, Um,
1: there's some negatives, you know, like I said, the, the cheapness here and there, or the budget, the lack of, you know, familiarity and professionalism and all that, but it's, it comes with it. Or they order on
0: Monday and need it on Thursday.
1: That's nine out of 10 orders lately. Right. Um, (laughs) Well, I say lately, but probably always. Um, But yeah, no, it's, it, it is my little niche, you know, the, the extension of that is, I'm not super great at reaching other clientele. So I will, I will work with a local business. I will work with a big business, small business, a sports team, a clothing brand, something like, you know, any, any other thing, but my, my genuine, like, uh, interest, not, not even interest. No, I, I'll print for anything and anyone, as long as there's no conflict in what they're about. Um, I'll stand up for that. I'm not printing garbage. Like I'm not printing for garbage people, I guess no racist homophobic shit like anything like that but if you're anything you need whether i like like it or not i'll do it but if i don't agree with it i'm not doing it and i've i've had to turn down a few things in my life but uh no it's just organic i guess is the right word so the band the musician it's organic um it's what i know and what i'm used to but it's also organic with reach and connection and and flow of that because I don't know how to hunt down the big, you know, big box store or the big company that needs tens of thousands of shirts. I I don't know how to reach them. Um, and that's just a disconnect in my marketing, my sales, my ability. Um, most of what I do, like,
0: do you, do you want that too? You know what I mean? A one man show, you don't want to have a couple thousand shirts.
1: Yeah. I mean, there, there is that draw on that limit, but you know, a couple thousand shirts, even if you sub it out, could, could buy you an auto you know, could buy you a used auto and get you there. Um, and then continue to do that. But it's, it's kind of a weird, like personally, no, I I don't want to go there. I don't want to be the biggest shop. Um, it's, it's just, I think different shops and different businesses have different, um, I guess different goals and aspirations. And, you know, I've learned to an extent, I've learned my place, but I've also learned what I want, you know? Um, I don't sit still well in this accident and, you know, recovery, was the most I've sat still and not worked for, I think, since I was about 16, 17 years old. Um, I came from a family situation that was like, get up, get out, work when I was 16, 17. Mm -hmm. Um, And and I did what I did and I did it. And I've had this shop, I'm 32 now. I think I started this when I was about 20, 21 years old. Um, And I had no intention at starting it the way it happened and being what I am now, even not being the Uh, biggest. how,
0: How did that? how did Um, that happen
1: i i bought much like many people i bought a beginner setup from ryanette i think i spent 1100 bucks to start on a on a bullshit entry-level uh silver press Mm -hmm. and i printed my own band stuff and then it spiraled it was hey you can print your own band stuff can you do this can you do that and uh you know it i would do it uh I was doing it on the side I was working at a restaurant I think and then dog walking and a couple other things and I would just do it at the on the side at home self-taught, kind of youtubing it, figuring it out and it just you know kept going. So I did I did work in one other shop actually and I'm curious to know if you guys have ever had a guest on that has worked there ironically enough but uh, it is the cesspool of, of people both inside the print shop and outside the print shop but I worked at Victory Records. Um, Mm -hmm. really early on, they had a print shop on hand. I think we had two autos and four manuals, a couple big dryers. Um, there's good and bad with all that, but I was about six or eight months into printing when a friend of a friend offered me the job and I took it and it was, it wasn't a terrible experience for me. Uh, it was kind of a piece of shit company and situation and there's never anything good to say about that company and they're dead now. Um, but the print shop was its own thing and it was great my manager was great the people in there were great and uh I learned a lot it was it was cool to do that and I was still doing my own thing on the side and I I only stayed there about six months and then I I haven't looked back ever working for anybody since
0: what were you doing there
1: so when I got hired I was given the position of I could be a printer or I could be a shop hand and I was 20 21 years old uh it was a major record label at the time it, it's bands i look up to oh, I yeah, sure. from bands yeah. on that label um hell i'm going to see silverstein tonight i believe so like it was a big deal for a 20 year old me to be like holy shit victory records so they offered me the printing position or the floater position and i was like i can't i can't print for victory like i can't handle that i wouldn't be i'm still new whatever and then a week into being there i took the floater position i didn't want to be a printer. I didn't think I could handle, you know, those big bands and that stuff. And a weekend of being there, I was like, damn, I would have been fine taking a print position. Like I know enough, I'm confident enough, but it right. was being put on the spot. So uh, I did everything for six months there. Everything's short of printing orders um, from reclaiming to, you know, loading or catching on autos um, to some setup. And then in and, you know, organizing, cleaning, all that. We did a lot of a lot of overhaul of the shop while I was there of just labeling screens that have never been labeled in 20 years and stuff like that. Um, And then in my downtime, I would set up a five color design for, for practice. So there was downtime. I would like set up a day to remember Carnifex or stuff like that, just full colored stuff, print three prints, or do a couple tests on backs of scraps, run them through and then tear them down. And that I think, that was a cool feeling of like, Hey, I'm printing designs for these bands, whether I'm printing them or not. But like at that time I cared a little more than I do now. It, it felt like more of a big deal than it did, does now. Um, but at home I was running a four color, four station press, um, or smaller. I mean, my, the press I started when, on was a four one. Um, and I wasn't doing any multicolor cause it had no micros. I was doing two color if I was lucky, but, uh, right. I got an Antec later on and a Vastex later on and a couple here and there. And I was I was doing multicolor stuff at home. But Victory was where I started. Um, And it was just like they hired other printers. I knew I couldn't move up and I wasn't busy at home, but I wanted to print more. And I just kind of bailed like the 21 year old I was and said, fuck this and never looked back. And now I'm still kind of just winging it as a full time business owner.
0: So when you left there, you were just like, "Did you?" It just gave you more confidence to do it on your own and just be like, "Fuck it, this is what I'm gonna do."
1: Kinda. So when I left there, I I had a I, I lined up a dog walking position, which is something I'd done before, and I was like, "I'm gonna walk dogs full time or part time and as my main gig, and I'm gonna print on the side." And as soon as I got that interview lined up and it, it was fine, and they're like, "We want to hire you," something like flipped in my brain that I was like. I don't want to do both of these. And I wasn't busy. I didn't have heavy demand at home. Um, you know, my my uh, now ex-wife, but my wife at the time, she supported me for a couple months or supported us. And she helped out in me, you know, quitting my job and kind of doing solo. And, uh, you know, we we're both entrepreneurs and business owners for... I mean, she still is and I still am now. But for the duration of our relationship, we were both kind of on our own. Um, she might not have been at that point. So, you know, she was it wasn't a business. I was just, Hey, I want to print shirts for bands and clothing companies or whatever. I don't want to work for anybody. And it was a couple months of roughing it out. And then, you know, it kind of picked up and I was able to sustain myself. Um, I was able to get out of the apartment cause I was in the second bedroom of the apartment and just continue to do that kind of deal. Mm-hmm. But when I, when I, when I did it, like, you know, I, I see people ask here and there. I'm like, you know, how'd you know when you knew, you know, did you know it was time to move on? I'm like, no, I I was irresponsible. And I just said, I don't want to work for anybody. It was right. it, it was thousand percent not time for me to to be self-employed. Um, and I know that and I knew that then. But, you know, I'm I'm here today and I'm glad I did it. But uh, it wasn't easy, you know.
0: Well, it's also that thing, too, like if you if you just dive in like that, like you have to make it work.
3: Yeah, so it sounds like you're at the size you want to be. Um, However, you're in a spot where if you're not there or if you're sick or if you're injured or if this happens, anything like this happens, of course, we don't want that. I'm glad you're okay. Um, But have you thought about changing anything up so that you have a backup or so that you have some help there? Because, like, what did you do? So when you went... You were in the hospital for quite some time.
1: Ironically and you couldn't enough, print. I, I, you couldn't I wasn't mean... I wasn't in the hospital too long. So so let me double back a little bit. Uh, for the size yeah. I am, I'm not I'm not super content as I am. I do want to grow a little bit. I do have some aspirations to be a little bigger. I'm not far off. Um I don't wanna just be a one man show, I don't wanna be one press. Hell I've I've owned two press I've owned two manuals on occasion and I've owned a manual on an auto on occasion. Um, And now I'm just one manual um, outside of like live printing rig and all that bull. But um, so I want a little bit of growth. I want a little bit of growth. I want a small team, but I'm, uh, I don't want to say workhorse. I don't sit still, man. Uh, I'm hands-on. I'd, I'd rather hire someone to sit behind the computer and handle the administrative stuff than handle someone to print. And that's just my work ethic. I want to be hands-on. I want to be in charge of the quality I'm putting out, but I also want to work.
3: I think there's a lot of shops that do that. I don't think, not, you know, your, your first hire or your hire right now doesn't necessarily have to be somebody in production. So yeah. like you said earlier, you know, you hired your, your move was to get somebody in reclaim, like to, just to help you with that yeah. stuff. But maybe the move is now, like you're sort of talking about is to hire somebody and, you know, to answer phones, um, quote out jobs. Them, yeah. help people with pickup and you know all that kind of stuff and so maybe that so you don't have to sit and so you can stay busy in yeah words.
1: no so so the big the big thing with that um so the the growth and and whatnot there is is i'm not the busiest shop um i'm not super consistent i mean there might be a day or two a week where i don't have any orders a lot of that caters to uh My work ethic and I push orders out a lot quicker than I need to. And if I have an order, I'm going to do it regardless if the deadline's two weeks or not, I'm going to do it in two days. That's just kind of how I work, how I function. Um, so, you know, I've never been, I mean, at times I've had, I've had spurts of it, but I've never been two or three or four weeks out of orders, even when I'm slammed and I've got a dozen or two dozen orders on the plate, they're still done in two weeks. Um, even when I tell somebody it's going to be 15 to 20 business days, I'm still done in five to seven. Um, so it's, it's you know, the necessity for hiring someone. I've, I haven't gotten past that point of, of needing, absolutely needing someone. I've had someone come help for reclaim so I can print all day and I can have screens ready. I've had someone fold and box and do stuff like that. I've tried to teach people the ropes with uh, set up and prep and burning. Um, a lot of the help I've had or some of the help I've had has more so been like interest and me educating people and people being interested in it. Um, right now, I I say it lightly like an apprentice, but I have someone helping me here and there once or twice a week. Um, and she's been great. And I'm trying to help her how she wants to be helped. She's got experience in shops and they weren't fulfilling her how she wanted to be. And I'm just doing my best to, you know, show her the ropes and help her where she wants to learn. Um, and at the same time, she's helping me, you know, pack up orders, fold and keep things flowing a bit smoother. Um, but I've, I've wanted to restructure. This accident put a lot of things into perspective. Um, most business owners would pivot and immediately outsource everything. Um, and that's where my brain went as soon as I got out of the hospital. Um, I was only in the hospital for four days. Uh, They sent me out with a crutch, no cast, no boot, no air boot, nothing. They literally just were like, go ahead. Um, And I've been raw dogging it since and kind of just winging it. So immediately it was like, oh, my leg's bad. I had a dislocated and torn shoulder and they popped my shoulder back in. And I was like, they're like, they told me they were like, we're going to pop your shoulder back in. We're going to put you out, pop your shoulder back in. You're going to have surgery on your leg. and in my head, I've never dislocated the shoulder. In my head, that was the minimal uh, accident in my head or injury. It was, okay, I got a broken leg. My shoulders popped in. It's fine. And over the months, the shoulder's been a much bigger problem and longer heal. And still, than than I ever anticipated. And my shoulder, what was kept, what, what was cu- kept the shop closed. So it still hurts to walk. Every step I take still hurts. I'm not healed. There's a bunch of you know, compound injuries on top of the broken leg because of the broken leg. My my ankle's bad. My knees are kind of rough just because life's not normal and I'm not walking normal. Um, But the shoulder is what kept the shop closed. And uh, the injury and the accident put into perspective, like, I need backup. Um, I wouldn't even say backup. I'm not saying I need employees. But if this happened again, whether it be the same kind of accident, whether I break my leg skateboarding Whether I fall down the stairs, it doesn't matter. My business ceased to exist for three months, um, and and it was bad. Um, And you know, I've made it through that, and I I had a hell of a support system. My girlfriend took care of me hand and foot, and I wouldn't be where I am today without her with this recovery. And then on top of that, I had, um, you know, I was I had zero income for three months basically, and. Um, a GoFundMe was set up when I was in the hospital by by my partner, by my girlfriend. And had she not done that, I wouldn't have done that. That's not something I I would have brought myself to do. And I appreciate it, and you know I accepted it and took it, and it it saved my business to an extent, or saved my life savings, or saved you know me to those extent. Um, the support I received through that GoFundMe is more than I could have ever imagined, or or expected, or asked of anyone. And that was from, you know, I, I think it was, there was plenty of friends, some family, but so much of that, of that support system was from clients. It was from people I've worked with over the years. It was from people that work with me routinely. And at the end of the day, that GoFundMe was what allowed my business to be closed for three months and either not go under or not dig into my savings or not kill me, man. Um, I still got medical debt. I'm still battling with my lawyer to get the insurance policy and all the bull with the accident. But at the end of the day, it was the like overbearing and overwhelming support I received from that GoFundMe that allowed my business to be closed, to cover my rent for the shop and my apartment and to cover every bill I have still existing for three months without making income. Um. And without that, you know, my business wouldn't have went under, I wouldn't like to think, but my savings would have went under, you know, I, every dime I had would have went towards keeping the business. And that is what it is. Um, and I'm, I, I can't explain my gratitude for that. And it's unbelievable. It's humbling.
0: Yeah, it's awesome. I feel like that. that's the thing too, with like the print industry is like, we all have each other's backs if something like that happens. So yeah.
1: I, um, I had people, print shops I've never spoken to in my life send me money or just donate to the GoFundMe, not send me money. Right. Um, and it's, you know, it's unbelievable. Even last year I had a drama with a chargeback. Some dude ripped me off of 2100 bucks, and it was a nightmare. And I had print shops donate me money. I didn't have a GoFundMe up. I had print shops just contact me and find my info and send me money. And I was like, no, like, you're a small business just like me. Thank you. But I can't, like... It's unbelievable that the connection there, you know, and, and sure. Yeah. In some cases we're competition, but for the most part, I'll shoot the shit and talk printing with anybody. As long as we're not stepping on toes and stealing clients from people. Um, right. we're all doing this dumb little hobby turned into a business together. You know? Yeah. Um,
0: do you feel like, do you feel like you're busy now because it's you and you're running around and you're doing everything, but if you had somebody hired for, like doing the admin stuff or trying to get new sales you could potentially like you know add 25% 50% to your revenue and grow the company if you just had that other person to do the other half of the business yeah
1: i definitely think that's within reach um you know i'm i'm a creature of habit and i don't want to say i fear change but i like things the way they are typically and they've been anything but that for my life lately um, but yeah, it is a little scary for the idea to grow or to hire someone or be responsible for someone. Um, but if, if I had that ability, I could take on more of a load handling everything I am. If somebody, you know, as a business owner, as doing what I'm doing, and I'm not sure where you guys started and what on on what level and, you know, things like that. Cause I see print shops buy 50 grand worth of gear right up the gate and just crush it immediately. And I started in a 10 by 10 room and with a flash dryer so you know i know there's different levels of that but as the business owner doing what i'm doing in this industry the hardest thing for me is is emails um i'm very very patient i'm very understanding and i'm very uh compassionate towards the people i work with and it rings me dry so i can't be mean i can't be blunt i can't be shitty with my clients it's just not in me but emails and quotes and all that is the stuff that just kills me because i could ask someone the same question seven times in a row and they'll ignore it and that makes me want to rip my eyes out and that's what i'm losing sleep over Mm -hmm. and that's what's killing me and this is an all day every day email thing um so if i had someone on the administrative side and i could just streamline crushing it in the shop doing what i'm doing um it would it would bring things up it would bring my spirits up it would bring my mental health up and it would allow me to grow um and then maybe need help
0: i'm just thinking that if you hired someone like especially after the accident and thinking about like oh how do i make this better so this doesn't happen again not that anyone wants you to have that happen again crazy if it happened again yeah but if um you hired someone in the office and then got that dialed and got them working and it made you more like okay, I'm the printer and you're the you're the admin stuff. If you hired someone after that to shadow you and learn what you know, then if, you know, God forbid something did yeah. happen again, you would have that system of like, okay, emails are still getting dealt with, orders are still coming in, and then your apprentice could potentially print those orders. Yeah.
1: And, and, you know, I mean, it's, we all know it's not rocket science. We know anybody can print a t-shirt, whether they can do it well or not, you know, that's that's a judgment call on a lot of things. But I had a million people be like, oh, you can train me. And I'm like, no, I'm, I'm crippled right now. I can't train you. And let alone like in a month or two, you're not going to be putting out the quality I'm known for and the quality I care about. Um, I was heavily looking for someone. I was, I was looking for the opposite of what you just suggested. So through my whole recovery, um, especially once I was off the medication and a little more, a little more, you know, getting there, um, I was looking for someone to replace me and I would sit right here. We're in my office right now. My warehouse is 10 feet behind me. Um, I was looking for someone to replace me and I was going to sit in the office and handle emails and handle everything. You know, I was in a state of, I was still in pain. I was still recovering. My leg and arm still didn't work, but I could drive and I could get here and I could do it. I just couldn't print. So I was looking for someone that just knew how to run a press where I would handle the emails, give them the details. Hell, I could probably even prep some of it. And they just run the press without needing a, a babysitter. And I couldn't right. find that. And ironically enough, a couple weeks after I just said, fuck it and started working through the pain and toughing it out here, I got hit with a friend of a friend who was more than qualified. And I, her timing was, <laughs> her timing was bad. And I told her that I was like, damn, where were you last month? Um, but it's good to know, you know, she was in a position where she's like, you know, I'm looking to make a switch. I have all this experience. I haven't worked in print in a little bit, but she might be more qualified than I am. And I've been doing this solo for 10 years. Um, and even that left me thinking, you know, like, what if I still take her on? But, you know, that was me sitting still for three months. I'm like, I want to work. Um, I'm still working through pain right now. I still can't lift my arm above my head. Um I still have maybe four hours on my feet before my my knee and my ankle are like, yo, you can't walk for the rest of the day. And it's a trade-off. It, it is what it is. I'm making money, but I'm working through pain and I'm dealing with it. But I don't think I'm in any position to hire someone right now. Um, I'm not, Why not? Su- super busy. I'm making it work. The working through pain sucks, but I'm, I'm making it happen. You know, I'm doing it.
3: So what I think, um, I think maybe this is the move then is is to just get a, like a contract shop lined up, you know, and you can make sure. So in other words, you could send them an order and just to test, to see like it meets your quality and yeah. meets your standards, have that contract shop lined up. Something, um, even just if you want to get away or what if you're just even sick for two weeks and you, and you know, you can't make it to the shop. You don't want to have to shut down. You yeah. don't want to have to tell your customers, Hey, it's going to be a month before I can get you your shirts. And so, you know, for those people listening that are just one man or one woman or one person shops, I think that's, that's super important. And that's maybe the lesson that you even learned too is that you have something set up. It sounds like, and I mean, cause I'm learning from this too, is that is, is that it's just, to have a backup have a, a, a contract shop that can print and then also um maybe have somebody that can help you with admin stuff yeah. you know so so it just doesn't have to shut down because shutting down for three months i can't imagine you yeah. know, that's just so
1: so my big thing with I that i don't know how it,
3: you I, did it I, I guess the gofundme saved your butt like you said yeah the
1: gofundme i mean if if the gofundme wasn't there i would have ate into my savings um and we we recently um mm. uh, it's 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 so a lot of this is my work ethic. So I know contract printing is a very real thing in the industry. It's a standard in the industry. It's very common. Tons of people offer shit they don't do in shop and outsource and do it. I I outsourced one order and he was fantastic. His quality was great. He was awesome. Um my my goal right off the right out the gate was as soon as I was coherent a week after my accident or not a week after, but a week after being home, I was still heavily medicated. Hell I was for two months because the pain was so bad. But, um, as soon as things were like settling down, I said, fuck it. I'm going to contract order. I'm going to contract work. And the way that fell through one, there's it's, it's my, I'm hard headed with that. I don't want to put out work that I'm not doing. And that's why I don't offer embroidery and embroidery has been one of those things that I do want to outsource and I do want to have a contract shop and I do want to be able to offer that. But it's really hard for me to, to relinquish control in terms of quality, customer service, um, timeline and all that. So when this all started, my goal immediately was contract work and it wasn't me and my hardheadedness and whatnot being in the way of that, um, my clients, some of my clients, for lack of better words, are so unprepared that it it fucked me up from being able to do that. So when I got hit up for an order and I said, Hey, I, I posted out there, I said, Hey, I'm accepting orders. I put it out there, I said, I'm I'm teaming up with another shop. I worded it however I wanted to try to make it seem like, hey, I can handle what you need, let's do this. And it was less than twenty-four hours went by where I I deleted those posts and and regrouped and realized like I couldn't do it because the first ten people that reached out that wanted to work with me while I was trying to outsource could not give me the resources I needed to do whether it be proper file, whether it be like hey, how many do you want to order? How do you want to pay me? What are your sizes? Just the basic things that I need that we need for every order we do, and I would spell it out for a kindergartner to understand and like hey, let me know these details. So I couldn't get the resources I needed to work contract with another shop. And it was just debilitating to my mental health. So in a matter of 24 hours, I went to, yo, I'm accepting orders. And I was contract printing and I had something lined up with another shop to, Hey, none of this is going to work because nobody could come at me (laughs) even semi prepared, even people I've worked with before. And it was just, since I wasn't handling it, I couldn't do it, man. And that's to show my patience with a lot of people um, and my patience with the way I handle the emailing process and everything. It just, contract work bit me in the ass trying to offer it, and I had to step back from it.
3: And he's gone. Uh oh. (laughs) You
1: back? Yeah, I'm here.
3: Okay. Okay, good. All right. First listener question. You ready?
0: Okay. Let's see. Uh, maximum Otter. We need to hear about Mike's worst email interaction with a customer. I bet there's a good story in there.
1: Um, so so I don't want to talk down about my clients, but every email is the worst. Every email <laughs> is the worst ever. Now, um, uh, the one, you know, open dispute I had, that claim and all that drama That was one of the worst things I've ever dealt with. Uh, I just got blatantly lied to and I had the receipts to prove it and backed up everything. And no matter what I would do or say, this client would just continue to lie. Um, And it is what it is and it was what it was. But like those emails, that was a matter of like months to solve that. That was the nightmare, man. But outside of that, it's just dumb requests or people not reading what I send them and you know, just the normal struggle of customer service, essentially.
0: Yeah. Everyone kind of gets that struggle. Uh, New Dud says, how many prints do you get in auto? Great work, homie. So I think we already know the answer to this.
1: I I had an auto. I got rid of it. And I'm in no hurry to jump on it again. I mean, <laughs> if, if I got slammed and I got busy, I will, uh, you know, name drop. Uh, I love Workhorse to death. And if I ever buy another auto, I want it to be a Workhorse um that's where my loyalty lies in terms of brand um but I'm not in any hurry to jump on an auto um if the numbers allow and I'm busy and I need it cool but if not I I fucking love manual printing
0: right uh Narcity asks uh what size crocs does Mike wear
1: do, do you guys know I assume not uh that's a Facebook argument but uh <laughs> I hate crocs I don't I guarantee they're comfy. I know that Um, I've worn them like in the house. I've stepped on them. They're awesome. I get it. But I refuse to wear them. And Andrew likes to push my buttons with that. (laughs) Right. Um, Because he rocks them at the shop all the time. And I don't doubt they're comfy. I just can't bring myself to wear them. I just cannot bring myself to wear them. (laughs) It's like a personal battle.
0: Yeah, I get it. Uh, Titty Bats asked, how much fun was it to print with one arm?
1: So uh I also Teddy Bats is an amazing artist. He is a screen printer himself. Um, and he's fucking awesome. But uh so the week of my accident, I did six prints. Um I was drugged up as can be, and I legitimately got driven to my shop because I could not drive. Um my shoulder was still bad, and I had six prints to finish an order, and I I think I was out of the hospital three days and I came in. I don't think I did it one handed, but this arm was not, was not present that day and not doing You just had to get it done? Um, But yeah, it was, it was like, literally I was waiting on six pieces. The rest of the order was done and I was on a lot of drugs and said, fuck it, let's go do it. And I think that was also a little bit before like the reality set in of the length of everything and the pain and everything. And, uh, but that was the only time it was like a one handed deal. And then I just said, let's not print till I'm ready for the most part. There was a little, little middle ground prints, uh, but I'm not printing one handed. If I can, I do. If it's a left Chester and it's easy, that's, that's a luxury right now. Cause my left shoulder still rough. Um, but sometimes we just got to power through it and make do,
0: mm-hmm. uh, ghoul finder says, do you dabble in any other type of print mediums
1: um i do not so uh i've actually talked to them quite a bit um they're moving to chicago they're relocating to chicago and they've got hell of a a bit of printing experience And i'm hoping to link up with them and work together and uh, show them the ropes and have him show me what he knows too uh in terms of other stuff and whatnot so that's an exciting actually connection that's very recent but uh, no, I've the, the only other thing I've dabbled with in the print world, um, I've done some vinyl cutting, which I wouldn't consider very similar. Um, I've ran a vinyl cutter. It was fine. I didn't love it. I didn't hate it. Um, and I've printed skateboards before. So that was, a, that was a fun little thing. And that was mainly for me. Uh, I did about three or four orders for clients of small batch, like custom one-offs, not one-offs, but like five or 10 pieces, 20 pieces. Um, But that's the only other thing I've dabbled with in terms of printing or printmaking was kind of building a makeshift rig for boards. And it was it was an experience. It was a nightmare printing on a curved surface sucked, but it was just something I always wanted to do.
0: Yeah. Seems like being super into skateboarding, you would at least need to try it.
1: I did it for myself. And again, I did, I did like a small record label. I did the local homies here. I did a board brand or two, but it was more for my personal. And it was, you know, I've been skateboarding 22 years now, fucking two thirds of my life. Uh, and I wanted to say that I could print a skateboard or say that I tried right. or say that I did it. And I did some cool stuff.
0: Mm. Mm-hmm. Uh, lucky prince asks, how many shirts can you kick flip over?
1: So n- n- currently none. Uh, <laughs> I, uh, funny, funny kickflip joke. I got a couple hundred dollars on the line. I'm not getting any money, but I'm offering someone a hundred dollars and maybe four other people tossed into the pool. Where if he learns a kickflip before I can kickflip again, he's gonna get like four or five hundred bucks. <laughs> and if I kickflip before him, I get jack shit and I'm cool with that. But we're motivating an old homie who rips, rips a board like crazy. He just doesn't do kickflips. Um, but, uh, I, I've really like, in in whether it's a joking question or not when i saw that i considered it and i was like well what's a stack of 50 look like what's a stack of 100 look like and we're talking height and width um Mm -hmm. i'm gonna give a literal answer to this um (laughs) i think i could kickflip 50 shirts flat on the ground
0: you know well when you when you get it back on it you gotta try it
1: in my prime not hurt um but you know, fifty shirts is the height of a deck. It's just longer, um, so it's it's six or eight inches. Uh, but that's that's a fun one. That's like a, I wonder, and I really thought about it. But I think I think I could do a batch of fifty <laughs> once I'm back at it.
0: Uh, full bleed manufacturing. As ask him about how he feels about the designer getting tagged, but not the printer.
1: I like to. Uh, to bullshit my way with some printers here and there. And we vent. Um, I don't know if you guys are familiar. And I don't want to blow up the spot. But uh, with Screen Printing Shittiest. Are you both in there? Oh, so there's a Facebook group called Screen Printing Shittiest. I try to, to
0: stay print- off of Facebook as much as possible.
1: Good good for you. Good for you. Uh, there's a Facebook group called Screen Printing Shittiest. And it's just shop owners talking shit. <laughs> like about the bullshit we deal with. And I don't even know if he's in there. But we've chatted on Instagram recently too. A bunch Um, I've posted reels about it. I vent about it on my stories. It's not that hard to tag the people you work with. And it is an everyday deal where my clients, my customers, whatever, they just don't, they don't tag me. And then it goes a step further where like they'll tag their homie that has a hundred followers that drew their art. And it might look like a line drawing on a notebook and it's nothing fancy, but if they tag them and don't shout me out it bums me out cause we're all in this small business, like local thing together and your reach goes a long way for tagging me. You might have, you know, 30 people in bands that follow you that need merch. So it, it's a little pet peeve of like, it is such an easy minuscule thing to do. Yeah, I feel um, that. And it goes a long way and it goes, you know, I don't care if you're the biggest band or the smallest band or the biggest company or smallest company. If I post your shit, I tag you. Um, and you know i mean i've tagged pages with 50 followers i don't care i'm gonna shout you out i'm appreciative of you working with me and choosing to work with my shop that i'm gonna shout you out where i can um so that's just a little pet peeve and he's he's chatted with me about it and like it seems universal of like people just don't go that extra step of like giving a fuck and i get it if i was the biggest shop or like you know 10 autos and there was no name to the face and you not tagging me sure but like I'm the little guy. I walked you through the process. I emailed you personally dealt with you all. You know, it, it, it's just a little pet peeve of like, why can't we just, uh, why can't we all just spread the, the support there?
0: Let's see at that one shop has a question, but I'm trying to navigate how to ask it. Uh, it sounds like he's saying like, did we ever have an obstacle to overcome that kind of like took us like 50, 50 out of the shop? Kind of like you with your accident. Um, yeah uh were you able to keep it going and are you glad you did so you didn't have to give it up
1: i think i think the way i read that and and this was a couple days ago it seemed to me like he was asking uh or they i'm not sure um was there any a point where ever a point where you were 50 50 on if i should give up and quit and pack up or keep going is kind of how i read that whether that's right or not Um, yeah that makes sense but like I've been all in for 10 years, uh, somewhere around that. If I quit, I'm or quit or let go, it's it's not just quitting or letting go. It's it's giving up. And to me, that's never an option. Um, I don't want to work for anybody else again. Um, I'm not comfortable with that, I'm not happy with that, and it's not even from a financial standpoint, because like you guys know, like the whole like what is the joke of like entrepreneurs give up working 40 hours a week to work 80 or whatever the joke is. Um, Like it's, I just don't think I could ever look back and sure shit happens. People fail. Businesses go under. I'm not immune to any of that, especially in the pandemic and everything we've dealt with. But to me, I'm just, if it's a 50, 50 option, I'm going to keep swinging. I'm, I'm going to go until it's 100% done is kind of the way I I'm going to give it my all and till I can't do it anymore. That's kind of the way I look at it.
0: Right. Um, good or bad. Right. Uh, let's see. The Javerine asked, is there anything you wouldn't print? What's the wildest thing you've printed?
1: Um There's plenty I wouldn't print. I won't print racist, homophobic, anything like that. Um, that's where my brain goes immediately. like if I got an email for that, I'd be like, "Fuck that." Um, I don't know the wildest. I've printed for a, a dildo company. Um, like that that was a fun one. Uh, Were
0: you actually I, printing dildos?
1: No, it was a it was a specific model of dildo called the Easy Rider. Nice. And it was very vague. Uh I believe the front it was it was a company that produces sex toys. Um I've printed for a porn site before. Um called yesboobs.com. I'm gonna plug that. I don't know why. <laughs> but
0: there's sure it's political The yeah, kid was thirteen shirt. when he made that website.
1: <laughs> right? Uh, The shirts literally said, yesboobs.com And I was like, of course, I'm going to do this. Mm -hmm. Um, And ironically enough, that was a referral or a connect from a moped homie, I believe. Um, A moped homie that I don't even know that I personally know. It was just through the through the community. Um, So those are some of the weird, funny ones. Um, But like, uh, I guess like, yeah, those I, I don't do too much. I've printed like literal piles of shit on shirts several times. Um, there was this gnarly, like, it was like a five color. The only way I can call it is shit demon. It was like a toilet with a gooey mess and it was a gnarly, it was super cool artwork, super awesome, but it was like a shit creature coming out of the <laughs> toilet. Um, but like, I don't know. That's kind of the weird gnarly stuff. Uh, right, the good stuff. Yeah. The fun stuff.
3: Right, exactly. I have one. I got a question. Okay. Oh I printed, printed it out like a, an 81-year-old. Um, but the Stash Studios asks, in the beginning, and I guess this is to, to all three of us, really. So he says, in the beginning, how did you maintain motivation to keep learning and trying after fails? As an artist or creative, I get into a lot of different things and have been having a hard time focusing on getting better. I gotta say, I get a little envious of the beginners I see actually doing the work. I know I shouldn't compare myself or my work to others, but I can't help it. So, do you ever find yourself struggling, like if you, you know, um, get stuck in a on something or whatever? How do you keep How do you keep pushing through?
1: Yeah, I, I think, I think so much of screen printing too is trial and error, and probably other forms of our industry or elements of our industry too. But like at the get go. Like, especially being self-taught, like, I had no experience. Hell, I had no college, nothing. I just had this thing in the back of my head where I was, like, I always wanted to print t-shirts, and I tried to do it with my dad years back, and, like, like speedball bullshit, and it never happened. But, like, it's... Even doing this 10 years, I still have some days where a screen washes out, and I want to fucking bash my head against the wall. Like, you just gotta, like kind of pivot and give it another shot. Um, and I, I think that's a big reason why a lot of people in our industry, like early on, I used to buy shops off Craigslist, like home-based setups or a solid press and get rid of the rest of the junk or whatever. Um, I think that's why a lot of that stuff ends up for sale because people don't know what they're getting into because it's messy. There's chemicals, it's ugly and it's, it's not rocket science and it's not hard, but it's also not easy. Um, Mm-hmm. Anybody that puts their mind to it can do this but it's not it doesn't come like that um sometimes you got to take a day off or a week off or you know step back and I'm talking from the learning I'm talking like if he's fresh and just trying his first screens or trying his first prints it's it's gonna be hard right out the gate and you just gotta keep trying till you figure it out and that goes for even new processes within the craft I mean trying new things it's it's like anything in life you got to just if you get frustrated and give up when you fail, you're never going to get it.
0: Yeah. Well put.
3: What do you think, Dilly?
0: I think it's the same. I think, I think it is easy to get on something like Instagram or Facebook and look at all these other shops and get envious and be like, why don't I have this? And how am I not, how am I going to get there eventually? And all this other stuff. But it's like, realistically, you just got to do what you got to do and work day in and day out to get there. Like, mike was saying earlier there's people that can go spend 50 to 100k on a shop like an auto and a dryer and everything right out the gate and just start printing and do what they got to do but it's like most of us like me all three of us basically started from a tiny manual in a garage kind of and just like hustled it until we got able to do the next thing and able to do the next thing and it's like i feel like sometimes you just need to forget all the noise and just kind of put your head down and just do your own thing and grow at your own pace because if you don't it's like that credit card thing. Like you're just going to end up in debt and you're going to, you're, you're living above your means and everything. You just need to do what you got to do at your time, at your pace.
3: Yeah. For, for me, um, similar. Like if all those fails were, I didn't even look at them as fails. I just looked at them as, I don't know. I, I learned something and I you're moved learning, forward. It yeah. was like, it was like this whole, this whole thing. And actually some of the harder parts were not the, the, the skill set of screen printing. It was just the running the business. And it's a game, really, you know, and I always thought that when I got my ass kicked, I just respected the game. Like, holy shit, respect. You just even now, like when I get my ass kicked, I'm like, well, respect. You know, I just I, I don't know it all. I still screw up. And I think it'll yeah. always be that way. So it doesn't but we're,
1: do... we're We're only human uh-huh. with that. Like it learning is is all we can do from it. I mean, uh, in terms of the failing and the keeping at it and like, where do you where do you catch yourself? Like. It's it's cancerous to compare yourself to others in in any circumstance. And him saying that, like looking on Instagram or Facebook or whatever, and seeing those shops or when I'm going to get there. Hell, I still have that. I see people that have done. I've seen people that have been long alongside me, starting at the same time as mm-hmm. me, and ten times bigger. And you know, you can't, you know, just like in anything in life. But, um, you know, and then with the with the trying, like I can equate so much of my my way of living and my determination and so much of what I do to skateboarding, um, I've done the same trick a thousand times to land it once. And yeah, that was failing. But like you said, you didn't look at it as failing. You looked at it as learning. And I mean, that's an every day, every week, every month deal for me for the last 22 years of my life. Like, you you don't give up when you fail or when you see someone doing better than you and you know I'm not I'm not the toxic positivity guy I'm a I'm a complainer and I'm a negative guy so this coming from me um, but yeah you don't you know you can look at somebody doing better than you and want to get to that sure but don't don't bring yourself down and be like why can't I do that because everybody's got different different things and I think like uh, sometimes in my industry or in our industry I've I've looked at the people that started with a full setup and spent 50 grand. And I've looked at them like, yo, you are privileged. You're the golden goose. You got that right up the gate. You didn't struggle. But I'm at a point in my life where like, if I didn't start with that 4-1 in my apartment and struggle, I wouldn't be where I am today.
0: Right. You to I might take be more ass. of an asshole. Right. Mike, do you have any questions for us?
1: Um. Uh, I don't know. I'm not good at this. (laughs) So how, I mean, I know both of you are quite a bit larger. How many employees do you both have?
3: Andy. Um, Currently today, 24 as of tomorrow, 26. (laughs) Awesome. Yeah. We're, um, I was telling Dylan earlier that there's two that are getting ready to join our team and that'll do it. So like that'll complete us. That's Awesome. We will be completed for the year. That's that's what how long I mean. have you
1: been? How long have you been doing this?
3: Uh, started Shirt Kong in 2008, but didn't print our first print here into until oh uh, nine. So, I mean, it took okay. a while to we built. So the, the place I leased was just rock. You know, like The building was here, but there wasn't any concrete or anything like that. So we were the first ones. We were the first tenant in this space. And oh, so it awesome. took a while to build it all out.
1: That's awesome yeah. that you're still there, too.
3: Yep, mm-hmm. kind of.
0: And then uh, <laughs> yeah, same for me. Two thousand
1: nine.
3: Okay, oh nine. Yeah.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. Um. I mean, uh, I've been familiar with you over the last couple of years, Andy. But I feel like I've known Dylan and his shop since I started printing. Um, I, I I'm bad with my timeline, but I think you're a little older than me in terms of of shops. Uh, I'm right around eleven, twelve years. But I wasn't a shop out the gate. I wasn't. I didn't put this name to my shop till X amount of time and. I had zero intention at starting a business. Um, I was just printing my own band's merch and then printing other band's merch. And then I quit my job and eventually it fell into place. And I can't put an exact date on when I yeah. started. But uh, like I've been familiar with with uh, your shops forever just <laughs> through the internet, man.
0: Yeah. Well, that's my whole existence basically is our whole thing has always been online social media and all that stuff so yeah i've been in everybody's face for fucking too long now so
3: yeah, but i will say that and i've said this before that you know number of employees or presses or however many prints we print a day or any of that stuff you know like that doesn't that doesn't really matter like yeah it's uh it's interesting and i love talking to other shops just to see what how big they are how they handle you know shops that are like way bigger than us you know how do you handle yeah. 60 employees that's just so it, it boggles my mind 200 you know?
0: employees are... Yeah
3: like and is your level of happiness um still where you want it to be and or would you rather be smaller and so i don't know it's a tough question and i don't know that i'm i, I don't know that that i am at the size i want to be honestly i don't want to be any bigger that's for sure I yeah i just don't I mean...
1: you know I've I've talked uh are you guys familiar with Relentless?
3: hmm
1: So uh Man, Nathan Nate. Nathan's fucking amazing and I've chatted with Matt a ton, but like I think they started close to when we started or we when I started. Um and m- similar, you know, small kind of garage situation, whatever, and growing. And like I've I've shot the shit with him. I've hung out with Nathan three or four times. Every time his band rolls through, I go see him. Um he's a homie through printing, but I genuinely like his band and I'm always super hyped to catch his band play and to just catch up with him. Um, but like he's told me, he's like, sometimes I wish we could, you know, I wish it wasn't so big and so stressful and this and that. And like, you know, we're so big that this and that, and you know, some people they're fucking crushing it. I I look at them and it gets me so hyped to see everything they do. And he's one of the best people ever, man. Um, Nathan and Matt, um, And I think some of the bandmates work at work at the shop too. And they're all fucking great people, but like, you know, saying, I don't want to go bigger. It's, it's as a business, like people think, Oh, you just want to be as big as humanly possible and make as much money as possible. And then it's like, like, but at what cost? Um, you know, don't get me wrong. I'm bringing myself dry. Even being as small as I am, I'm spread thin. And I think a lot of that has to do with my work boundaries and my personal, personal boundaries with work and with disconnect and with dealing with people. Um, when I could just say, Hey, sorry, I can't work with you. I need this, or I can't work with you. I'll push myself and put myself out there and do 15 more emails and try to fix a piece of art that I can't fix or shit like that. Um, I think a lot of my problematic stuff comes from just my demeanor and how I handle it. But you know, I wouldn't be happy being as big as humanly possible and just some dude up in a fucking office making hundreds of thousands of dollars and not lifting a finger. I don't want to be that or mm-hmm. or even, you know, bigger and just administrative well, or.
3: You could always, uh, you know, have 300 employees and then have just one manual in your office that you run jobs on. Right. <laughs> All the other just
0: pick and choose the jobs you want.
3: Yeah,
1: you do the yeah. ones you want. Any other questions? Um, I don't believe so. Where are you located, Andy?
3: St. Louis, Missouri. So just not very far from you. Only, uh, too... yeah, four hour drive. We're up into Chicago. Generally, once a year. Awesome. Uh, if you're, if you're like, but...
1: if you're like uh, Andrew from Nar City, you're in Chicago more than I am. <laughs>
3: mm-hmm.
1: um, that motherfucker. I, lo- I I love to see him travel. He travels so much. And he is in downtown Chicago more than I am because I don't go in the downtown. I'm just like, and I don't, I don't think I've ever met him, but he's in Chicago so often. And he's only in Iowa, but he visits Chicago all the time.
3: Right, right.
0: Same with me. I'm fucking there way too much. Um. All right, let's do some quick takes.
3: All right. All right, Mike, what's your pre-workday ritual?
1: Um i'm i'm quick i'm i'm an anxious little dude i wake up and i'm out of the house in 15 minutes (laughs) like there's no ritual i i i I wake up i typically don't eat um brush my teeth kind of get dressed and just zip out Uh,
0: i'm kind of the same way
1: uh i have to take a six-year-old to school half the week uh that's been fun which he's always uh he just started chicago public school so public school before that he was in a smaller therapy school that started a little later and was a little more mellow and the last two weeks has been like a learning curve of let's get this little dude up and to school at seven <laughs> forty-five. did he start school a couple weeks uh, ago two or three weeks ago yeah and we moved into a new house the weekend so he finished school on a friday we moved into the house on Saturday when he was with his mother, and then on Monday, he started school. So my life has been, it's been a weird month, um, and all of that happened in one weekend, and we've been kind of crushing through it, making it happen. But he slows me down a little bit in the morning, or speeds me up, because we got to get there on time.
0: Hurry up and get off um, the door.
1: But without him, I'm just like, yo, I need to get to work as soon as possible. That's how my brain functions.
0: Yeah. Uh, have you seen any good movies or shows or read any good books lately?
1: I don't want to look like the uneducated one, but I, I don't, don't think I read books since high school. Um, <laughs> like, Oh, eight. Um, I'm just not a reader, man. Uh, for movies. I've watched kid movies lately, man. I don't, <laughs> I don't, I mean, we do, we do what we call movie, dark movie time where we'll, we'll do a late night crash on the couch and just watch a movie, but I'm not much of a TV or movie guy. Um, I like a bunch of reality TV. Like, uh, I love Shark Tank, ironically enough. I've watched every episode of Shark Tank take in existence. Um, we watch like Chopped, American Pickers, all that dumb reality, like Bull, but not often or not lately. Uh, I did watch that cook show, The Bear. I don't know mm-hmm. if you guys saw that. Yeah. That was solid. That might be the most recent thing I've watched through. Um we went and saw the Minions movie in theater. And I think I went to another movie in theaters, but I'm not much of a.
0: Not much of a TV I watcher.
1: Don't sit still.
0: Or well, you're too busy skateboarding I and mean, crashing on phone, mopeds.
1: Scrolling on my moped. Or not moped. Scrolling on my phone all the time. <laughs> but outside of that, no much, not much screen time.
0: Mm-hmm.
3: Which trait from your parents would you say has made the greatest impact on your career?
1: Oh, my God! My dad was a hard ass. Um, my dad, like with chores and like he just made sure we did stuff, and i that translates to me with a lot of my like relationships and my son and things like that. but it's like not the if you don't do it yourself, it's like if you want it done right, do it yourself, not necessarily that because he didn't always do shit right. He just made sure to emphasize, like, you got to do it. So with everything in my life, like, if I want my partner to do something or my son to do it and they're not going to do it, I'm just like, yo, it's got to get done. I'm going to do it. And uh, that's been a hard thing with the recovery and with limitations. And, like, I push myself way more than I should on my body right now. But I don't sit still and I like to get shit done. And I think, I think I owe a lot of that to my dad to just, like just to get work done and a lot of like you know i i took yesterday off i had contractors building a fence for me and i came in for two hours handled all the prep work got all my screens ready uh i did no intention to be here yesterday but i wanted to get it done and i i got all that ready and then i came in today and printed everything first first time or first thing it's just if there's work to do i like to do it and i think i owe that to my dad kind of deal
0: nice Uh, what do you do to unwind after work?
1: Currently nothing. (laughs) Um, most of my life has been taken from me. Um, no, uh, I've been doing, uh, we just became homeowners. Um, I've been doing projects around the house within my ability, a bunch of little woodworking, building, cleaning, organizing, packing. But even before that, um, I've been trying to get back to shows and music a bit. Um, and that's, that's rough, but Let's pretend I'm not broken leg right now bad shoulder. Um I try to skate a couple times a week. Uh skateboarding is something near and dear to me. It's like it's it's my unwinding, it's my drug for to sound corny and lack of better words. Um it is it is what I do to when I'm angry, when I'm happy, when I'm sad. It is what I do to unwind all the time and it brings its own pain and problems because it's an abusive thing. Um, and then the, you know, the bikes that took me out, the, the little mopeds that almost killed me. That's another thing. We'd ride a couple times a week. I'd wrench on them. I'd work on them. But like, if you guys ever, ever in a motorcycle, I mean, you, you talked about your expresses, but just being out there and on two wheels is kind of like cathartic in itself. Oh yeah, for sure. Um, but right now, believe it or not, stressful or not. Printing, printing does a lot for me, and and losing losing the shop for those three months. Um, I had knee surgery a couple of years ago, and I was at the shop in six days after knee surgery. I put a brace on that was a straight brace where I couldn't bend my knee, and I worked through through the recovery. This time, I lost the shop too. So um, back when I had knee surgery, I lost skateboarding and I lost mopeds. But I was like, "Fuck it, I'm gonna go work." And this time I lost everything, including work. So I can't explain, like, I don't need to go unwind. Like I come here to unwind sometimes or more right. than not. Like that makes sense. if I'm stressed out or frustrated, I'm like, I want to go print. Cause For like safe space. it's yeah. Um, I always use this as an example, but, uh, I lost my mom about four years ago and the day my, we, the day we pulled the plug or she, she was actually gone, I left the hospital and came here because it's my happy place. It's my, I had no obligation to be here. I had no obligation on those orders, but, and I I was perfectly capable of skateboarding at the time, but I was like, you know what? I want to go work through this. I want to go work through it. And I can equate that to a lot less traumatic things in my life. Uh, I went through a divorce the last couple of years, same deal, like, it, it is my happy place and losing it for these three months. Like I'm so happy I'm working through pain right now. It's a couple hours on my feet makes me want to fucking crawl into bed and not move. But I'm stoked for those couple hours, man. I, I like what I do inside and out besides oh, yeah. the email.
0: That's awesome.
1: Yeah. It's, it's fun, man.
0: Any.
3: Yeah. Final question. What's for dinner? Man.
1: <laughs> leftover uh raisin canes probably
3: the hell's that
1: you've never it's had a canes? chicken
3: uh it's like a chicken strip it's sort of like a chick-fil-a
1: it it shits on chick-fil-a um because <laughs> i don't get the chick-fil-a hype plus they're homophobic assholes um but uh it it is the best streamlined simplest menu ever they just you go up their order they have texas toast coleslaw french fries and chicken strips and i think they have a chicken sandwich too but it's like it's like two items it's fries and chicken (laughs) and it's fucking good um and we just had this conversation recently and then me my girl and a a friend of ours got there last night and i got leftovers it's uh either that or the barbecue we did on a monday night first time grilling at the new place i got a bunch of brats and stuff left over
0: nice some leftovers yeah
1: actually scratch that uh there is an event at my local skate park that they do once a week uh we call it wilson wednesdays uh i often donate shirts and hype people up and toss stuff out or promote there and it's just a jam session once a week on wednesdays so uh glizzy's hot dogs all night if uh, i end up there before the show
0: nice well thanks for making time for us mike we appreciate it i know we kind of went back and (laughs) forth a couple times on when we can make this happen and whatnot but i'm glad we finally got
1: you on Sorry for the technical difficulties on my end.
0: No, you're good, man.
1: No
3: biggie. Be safe out there. Thanks for talking to us. See you, dude. See
1: you, man. Have a good one, guys.